Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In our gospel reading today, we hear that Jesus is on a road, both literally and figuratively. Literally, Jesus is on the road that went through Jericho, which is where the blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting by the roadside. But figuratively, Jesus is also on another road, a journey, so to speak, that he has been on his entire life. It's the road that has led him through his ministry, through his preaching and teaching, his healing and comforting, his miracles and his mission. This is the road that Jesus has pointed out to his disciples a number of times by now. Earlier in the same chapter of Mark's gospel, it says, They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus, taking the twelve again, began to tell all of them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, And they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. This road to Jerusalem, to the cross and to the empty tomb is the road that Jesus is on. And and he's invited others along the way to follow him as he goes, namely his disciples, of course, but also others. Remember the children who were rebuked by the disciples? But Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Or do you remember the rich man? who came to Jesus but was unwilling to sell all he had to follow Jesus? Well, it's the same road that Jesus is still on. And he has one last stop before he arrives in Jerusalem, and it's here in Jericho. And and Bartimaeus is along that road, and he cries, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But just like the children were, Bartimaeus was rebuked by others and told to be silent, but it didn't silence him. He cries out even louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops, and he calls him over, and Bartimaeus springs up and throws off his cloak and goes to Jesus. And Jesus asks him, What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus says, Rabbi, Let me recover my sight. Jesus says, go your way. Your faith has made you well, or quite literally, your faith has saved you. And unlike the rich man who refused to follow Jesus, after Bartimaeus had this interaction with Jesus, he immediately follows Jesus on his road. The road that would lead, as we see in the very next verse, in the next chapter of Mark's gospel, into Jerusalem and all that was waiting for Jesus there. Like we said, this road upon which Jesus encounters Bartimaeus extends forward from that place into all that was waiting for Jesus, all that was to come. But as we also pointed out, the road also extends backward as well, looking over all the places that Jesus had been, all the things that he had done, all the people he has invited to follow him. And what I'd like us to see for just a a few moments here this morning is that that road actually goes even further back than that. 
Even before Jesus' ministry, before all of his miracles, even before Jesus was born. It's a road that actually Bartimaeus alludes to with how he addresses Jesus. Two times he calls Jesus Son of David. And this is the first time in Mark's gospel when this name is used for Jesus. And it's a name that takes us back up the road, all the way back into the Old Testament. It goes back to King David himself, the one who was about a thousand years before Jesus, the glorious king of Israel. And David had been blessed by God. He was given victory over his enemies. He was given peace in his kingdom. Israel knew the joy and the peace and the security as they had never known before as God's people. And it was at that point that King David felt motivated, of course, to build a house for God, to build the temple in Jerusalem. But in an unexpected turn of events, it was actually God who promised David that he would build a house for him. The Lord said to David, I will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. My steadfast love will not depart from him, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. God made a promise to David that he was going to preserve his house and his descendants and his sons on the throne. And from David's line would come the son, the Messiah. And for a thousand years of Israel's history, the the people of Israel would hold on to that great hope, generation after generation, that the son of David would come down the road and would take his throne and would bring joy and peace and security once again. But as it turned out, for a long time, it didn't go so well. In fact, the house of David failed quite miserably. The sons of David, the various kings that ruled over Israel and Judah, they failed. And it started with with David's very own son, Solomon, who strayed from God's word and didn't always follow God's ways. And, And one after another, the sons of David were led astray. They did not lead the people in the proper fear of God. They did not protect the poor and uphold justice and righteousness in the land. They multiplied the false gods and discouraged the worship of the one true God. They persecuted the Lord's prophets. And they surrounded themselves instead with advisors who would only tell them what they wanted to hear. Of course, every once in a while, there was a good king one who properly feared the Lord and obeyed his commandments, kings like Josiah or Hezekiah. But it wouldn't take long then after them for the next king to then depart from all of that. And on and on this went, all the way down the line to the very last king of Judah, the last son of David in the Old Testament, whose name was Zedekiah. And it was Zedekiah 
in 587 BC, who found himself surrounded by the mighty armies of Babylon led by King Nebuchadnezzar. God's righteous judgment had at last come upon the house of David and upon the sons of David, and Zedekiah found himself trapped in the city of Jerusalem under siege and starving after months of famine. Now, God had not been silent during all of this. Zedekiah had already ignored all of God's instructions and warnings, who was coming through the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah also told him that, Zedekiah, you shall not escape, but shall surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon and shall speak with him face to face and eye to eye. And you will be taken into exile in Babylon. But the king chose once again not to listen to God. Instead, he tried to escape with his guard one night under the cover of darkness through a side gate in the walls of Jerusalem. At the height of the deepest crisis for the people of Judah, the king of Judah, the son of David, he fled, abandoning his people, abandoning his throne, all in an attempt to save his own life. And do you know where he fled? He fled down the road to Jericho. Specifically, the plains of Jericho, where he was pursued and captured by the armies of Nebuchadnezzar. And just as the Lord had told him, he was brought before the king of Babylon face to face and eye to eye. And he was forced to watch as his sons were killed before his very eyes. And then Nebuchadnezzar blinded the eyes of Zedekiah. And led him away in chains to Babylon. The house of David was no more. The sons of David had failed. They fell under the wrath and judgment of God. All the hopes that Israel had slipped out of that side gate in the city wall, fled to the plains of Jericho, and died there in exile. And for 500 years, The people must have wondered if God's promise for a son of David would ever come true, if they would ever see the throne of David restored again. And that's the way it remained. Until, that is, in Mark's gospel, a son of David appears again. This time not fleeing for his own life from Jerusalem to Jericho, but instead traveling resolutely from Jericho to Jerusalem to offer his life as a ransom for many. And on the road near Jericho where Zedekiah had been captured only to have his eyes put out, this son of David now stands restoring the eyes of the blind and preparing to go up to Jerusalem. To reclaim his throne. You see, this is what Jesus does. He's on a much larger journey than we could have ever have imagined. He relives and perfectly fulfills all of Israel's history. And where that history had gone wrong, he puts right again. Where the road once horribly went astray, he now marches down that road to reverse and restore it. Jesus lifts up the lowly. He restores sight to the blind. He is the son 
from the chosen line of David who will be placed on the throne over all of God's people for all eternity. And yet, what a strange road the son of David travels in order to do it. As the anointed king approaches his throne, as he, as he processes up to the house of David, he gathers in his train, in his wake, the most motley band of subjects. Weak-kneed disciples, drooling children, needy beggars, leaping blind men. Those who had been rebuked and rejected by others, and yet these are the ones whom he has chosen to be part of his kingdom. And as his road takes him finally into the city, the crowds acknowledge their king. Blessed is the coming of the kingdom of our father David, they shouted. They knew, just like Bartimaeus, that their hopes and their dreams, which had been shattered half a millennium before, were finally coming to light. But what they didn't expect was the kind of king that they were welcoming. Jesus was a king who would be betrayed and arrested. Jesus was a king who was going to be tried and beaten. He was a king who would remain silent in the face of his accusers. A king who would be abandoned and crucified. A king who would be killed and buried. A king who would pick up his throne by laying down his life. This is the kind of king Jesus is. This is the strange road of the son of David. This is the strange road of God. But we wouldn't be talking about this son of David. We wouldn't be talking about his road if it had ended there. Because the resolute journey of the son of David, it did continue on. The road also continues to the third day as Jesus walks out of the grave. The road continues as he shares a road with two downcast disciples walking to Emmaus. The road continues as he travels on ahead of his disciples into Galilee to meet them there. And the road continues as he promised them and as he promises us that he will be with us always, even to the very end of the age. You see, we are now the ones on the road following Jesus, who is the son of David. We are the motley band of subjects who have been chosen to be part of his kingdom. We are the ones who are shouting out for mercy from the side of the road. You know, it's this passage from scripture, as well as a few others, where people call to Jesus for mercy, where the phrase Kyrie eleison comes from. Kyrie eleison, it means Lord have mercy. And it's why we include it as part of our liturgy in regular services, like we did earlier today. It, what we find is that when we speak these words, when we echo these words, Lord, have mercy, we find ourselves right alongside people like Bartimaeus, people for whom Jesus stopped. And what we find is that Jesus stops also for us. He hears our shouts for mercy, and he calls us to himself once again to forgive our sins 
and to heal us of all our infirmities and to save us. We too follow him. This road of Jesus, the son of David, continues on today. And you are on it with him. It's a road that started thousands of years ago. It's a road that that led Jesus to come into this world as a human in the first place. It's a road that led your Savior to the cross to die for you. It's a road upon which now he calls you to follow him, to pick up your cross. A cross of lowliness, of sacrifice, of service to others around you. Remember, this is a strange road, a road that the world so often doesn't understand, and yet a road that each and every one of us are walking with our Lord. But also remember this, that this is a road that leads us into eternal life. It's a road that led our victorious Lord to his resurrection on Easter. And so therefore you now know that you too will be raised by him from the dead when he returns again. You too will live with him forever. And this is the road that we are on with Jesus as he is leading us into the new heavens and the new earth, leading us into the new Jerusalem as scripture describes it. The place where we will live in joy and peace and security. The place we will live under the eternal reign of the Son of David, Jesus Christ. Let us rejoice and be glad to follow him. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.